like to say I'm sorry about that because I knew what it was going to be like and I tried to warn you kind of. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was hot garbage. But do you know what? I had what? an okay time. All Let's right. tell these nice people what we're doing here. Hi, nice people. We've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> and so have you because you're listening to this. Hi, welcome to the Cinderella podcast. <laughs> Where we watch and review every Cinderella adaptation we can get our hands on, discussing the same story over and over until we slowly go insane. I'm Liv. And I'm Talon. And today we watched Cinderella 2, Dreams Come True which uh, was made in 2002, which is a lot of ooh sounds ooh. all in a row. Ooh. I'm going to go ahead and call this the direct-to-video sequel Cinderella. Could be the random anecdotes scotch taped together Cinderella. Want to be very clear, what we just watched is in no way Cinderella. No, not even a little bit. Not even um, a little bit. There's no Cinderella. It hits none of the beats. It's not a Cinderella. Except for the fact that Cinderella, the character, is present. So what this is, is a sequel made more than 50 years after the fact yep. to the Disney Cinderella, the classic one. Yep. Um, it was, in fact, a direct-to-video sequel. It's three separate stories written by three separate people, but directed by one person whose last name is Kafka, which is so weird. Just throwing that out there. So How to explain the nightmarish aspect of it. <laughs> so the three stories are loosely tied together in like a framing narrative but there's a rumor apparently that this was supposed to be the beginning of like a tv show that they ended up scrapping and oh boy does it feel like it on another totally random note uh, the sequel to atlantis yes it's the same thing it was gonna be a tv show they scrapped it so they took three poorly formed episodes and shoved them into a movie like no this is a story this counts doesn't count not a story why did you do this to me uh it's money it was for was money it, was it money it was money uh this made actual money apparently wow like don't get me wrong it was a complete critical flop okay good but it made money I just looked up how much money it surpassed 120 million. Yeah. Remember, we don't swear on we this one. We don't swear on this one. What? Uh, okay, I'm just going to take that number and delete it. That didn't happen. So can you please tell us? No. Okay. I can tell you nothing about this. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Listeners, I'm so sorry. We try to tell convenient stories and we wanted to do the classic Cinderella which meant that we had to do one, two, and three because they're one, two, and three, and we needed to do them sort of in a row so that we didn't forget anything that might be, have like continuity. <laughs> there was not continuity in this. We should not have worried. Nope. So there's no way to work this work with our regular formula. So um, we're just going to tell you what happens, and then we'll all sit here quietly and just contemplate it together. Yes. Yeah. So we open on the word Cinderella 2, dreams come true, and we zoom in on a different castle. Yeah, it's not the same castle at all. It's not the same castle. It is tall. It's a tall castle, but it's not even remotely the same. It's not even drawn in the same, like, oh, style. No. no. They 
they they drew everyone similarly but in sort of a uh generic knockoff way so everybody looks kind of wrong the animation is really sloppy the whole way through the illustrations are incredibly undetailed the animation isn't sloppy exactly like i thought it was very smoothly animated in terms of motion it's just they didn't try to do anything new they've modernized the look of it and there's some bad cgi in there well okay then maybe i'm not sure how to phrase that i'm not sure where this falls then in under animation movie putting togetherness but the sound and the actions did not sync up really no i mean not like the movie was off but cinderella would go what do you mean and then throw her hands up in the air and it was just like that was clearly supposed to happen at the same time there were a whole bunch of times where somebody was doing something and the action that clearly went with that word thing happened a solid beat either before or after the thing and it just it drove me nuts i mean it's like bad acting like the whole thing was badly written and badly acted and they just committed to it and animated it fully okay if we're if we're going this as bad animated acting or like well animated bad acting is that yes. what we're the well animated bad acting cinderella yes yeah okay so that's basically what it is we open on the mice because as much as Talon hated all the mice shenanigans in the last movie, this movie is nothing but mice shenanigans. That literally nothing else happens. It's just mice shenanigans. It's like somebody watched the first Cinderella and was like, what, what is the best part about this? Is it the beautiful stylized illustration style? No. 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 Is it the beautiful original music? No. no. Is it the way that Cinderella is so graceful and so poised and just so quietly and kind. dignified and no. kind? No. no. We don't like um, that part. It's, it's the mice. The mice are the best part, apparently. And somehow the mice were worse this time. They like were. the character designs for the mice were just like more generic. Like they were all the little jack mice. Yep. Uh, just in different color shirts and hats. And all the girl mice were the little Mary Mouse, just in different colored dresses. And I swear that the original Cinderella had very different it like, mice. It did. These mice were somehow less good. They also talked worse. They so do. Yeah. I found the mouse speak really, really annoying the first time. Because uh-huh. they would just repeat words twice and they would just simplify things. And it was just annoying. Like uh cinderella nice gus gus like things like that yeah but it was almost like shorthand it was a pigeon it was a type of pigeon yeah and this was like weirdly not that this was just like somebody imitating that badly they were trying to put too many words they were this is what happens when you try to have mice who can't properly speak english tell a story and like carry the entire narrative arc you have to have them say more words but when their entire vocabulary structure is cinderella very nice she like you you can't have a narrative structure based off that because it's bad it's bad it's just not tenable okay so we have to actually start this or we're never going to get done do so we, we do, do we, we have to start i am i am going to be this so the mice are racing through the palace because the fairy godmother is there and she is reading the cinderella story 
to so, them, even to though them. they've experienced it. To the mice. So they show up right at the end as she's saying it's the happily ever after. And they're like, oh no, we missed it. We're too late. And Gus asks if they can read another one. And the fairy godmother goes, I'm sorry, that's the only Cinderella story there is. Like there's no other books anywhere ever. And by the way, I would just like to point out, I have a lot of weird things in my notes. And at this point I'm like, oh, I, I can assure you there are other Cinderella stories. There are yes, 241 other Cinderella stories, Gus Gus. Allow me to show you my Excel document. <laughs> so we then get a great idea from Gus. Gus wants to make his own Cinderella book. And we get one of the best lines in the whole movie right now from Jack, who goes, who wants to read a book made by mice? And I feel like if we had just ended there. It That's been a good question. Let's best. stop. Let's stop and think about that. Like, let's not do that. Good question, Jack. Jack's got a point. Everybody listen to Jack nope so apparently apparently cinderella would because she's still the nicest and kindest human being ever and the fairy godmother is like well i bet cinderella would like to read it and all the mice are like oh yes cinderella would read it she would she would read it so we get an incredibly stupid bibbity bobbity boo song about making a book with the fairy godmother's help and all the things that I thought were really cute and charming the first time around of like the mice interacting with human-sized objects somehow is just like not interesting this time. Oh, okay. So here's why it's not interesting. One, all of the funny bits from the first one, like the mice are using the scissors to cut the thing and they almost cut another mouse's tail and they have to pull it out of the way at the second time. They do that like five times in this movie. And it was really clever the first time, you know, in 1950 <laughs> and it's not funny now it that's not a funny thing because we've already seen it it's it's almost exactly the same animation they have them interact with big people stuff but it's not actual big people stuff they have them interacting with essentially toddler sized things so the pencils are only a little bit bigger than the mice and there's paintbrushes no, nothing is uniformly sized the mice interact with it and it's bigger than them but not in a human realistic way like they don't deal with big spools of thread or working with shoes they're the birds aren't there which is annoying because the birds were actually pretty fun and useful and they do the same gag of the mouse trying to like put a thread through a needle and just shoving her entire arm through the it's, eye of the it's needle all it's the, the same, same gag like it's, it's all the same already. it's all the same bits except really badly done and not well thought out and stupid. So we then go into our first story, which is Cinderella's first day in the castle. Um, also, the beginning of this is narrated by Gus Gus in his mouse voice. Mm -hmm. And I was oh. ready to just quit this entire podcast <laughs> if it was gonna last for the entire uh, movie, which thankfully it doesn't. It only lasts for the first like, 30 seconds and then they just show you what happens instead of Gus Gus telling you yeah genuinely this was about to be the last episode we ever made <laughs> I'm gonna drive I'm gonna take a road trip up to where you live now and be like no we're watching the third one you have to watch the third one with me I, I am can't contractually obligated to do nothing <laughs> no you're not contractually obligated but I can do a road trip up to you and just camp in your house and make you watch Cinderella with me oh god what a horrible thought <laughs> right so we open on the Grand Duke the King and my note says 
dot 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 governess everyone is excited that cinderella and the prince are coming home from their honeymoon the governess's name is prudence we find out i'm just gonna call her the governess i have to describe her she's yes. wearing this very uptight black dress with like um like a high collar and it's all very like it looks like they're going to a funeral because the king is also wearing his like fancy outfit but in black yes which i don't think we saw in the no. first cinderella at all we, we did not and it's just it's very weird oh and prudence has this like intense like dark purple eyeshadow yes and it's just very sort of mousy browny gray color hair so they're all the the king the grand duke and the governess are all concerned that cinderella won't know how to be a princess and so because they have this concern they put her in charge of the royal banquet which is happening that night or i guess the next night well like every single event in this universe you only get one day to plan it and one then day it to happens prep. yes so well, it's the princess's responsibility to plan the royal banquet. And now that there's a princess, she has to plan it. And yes. everyone's like, how's she going to do it? She doesn't know anything. And they decide that since she doesn't know the first thing about being a princess, Prudence is the one that will teach her. Yes. And she basically goes, but sire, she won't know anything about planning a royal banquet. And then we cut to Cinderella in the carriage with the prince going, I don't know anything about planning a royal banquet. Oh, well. Yeah. It's that, that moment is actually pretty funny. And we get the prince being, uh, we get the prince saying, uh, don't worry, I'll be by your side the whole time. And I swear, I remember that the prince had more lines in this movie, but he does not. No, because the next scene is immediately, what do you mean I have to leave? And the prince and the king are going somewhere. They never explain where they're going. They just tell us it's important it's matters of state. Official state matters. And they shove everything in the universe into a carriage. Including, like, a rhinoceros head on a plaque. Yep, and a big wardrobe, like the wardrobe from Beauty and the Beast, gets shoved in there. The king manages to squish himself in there as well. And the prince just sort of hops onto the side of it and is like, okay, bye, and just rolls off. He's like, she's never been a princess before. Which is yeah. true. Which is true. And so the king goes, her duty is to plan the banquet and it's the king's duty to endure it. So it doesn't sound like he actually wants there to be a banquet. No, no. They drive off. They're they gone. Drive off. Forget everything about them. They don't matter anymore. We're never seeing them again. They, they show back up in the last couple of frames of this story. That's it. If you thought that they were going to use these three weird episodes to develop the prince's characterization, to develop the relationship between the prince and Cinderella. Why would you think that? Why would you think that's that? stupid. That was naive. <laughs> Grow up. This isn't <laughs> a fairy tale. foolish summer child. So Cinderella walks into the palace for the first time, and she's basically Belle walking into the Beast's castle for the first time. It's all dark and gloomy, and it's shot from that high top angle that we see when Belle first walks into the Beast's castle. And there's an intimidating portrait of the king on the wall. Its eyes look like they're going to move, but they don't. But they should have. Because they, they looked like they were animated separately. They were animated separately. They should have moved. You are correct in this and in all things. 
so the mice find her and also Bruno who's just hanging out in the castle I guess she took him with her which is awesome yeah and then it sort of pans at the end of this really long creepy dark hallway I cannot overemphasize how creepy and dark it is mm-hmm. which is actually plot relevant later uh, at the end there's like the two thrones and one of the mice is like look look big chair for princess Cinderella and I'm like is she gonna sit in the chair she should She's just sitting in the chair. chair. Nope. She doesn't. Nope. That's not a plot point. So we cut to the next morning and Prudence and two maids are knocking on Cinderella's door and she's not up yet. And they go in and they attempt to wake her and someone's sort of snoring and sleeping sloppily in the bed. But it's not Cinderella. It's Bruno. And he licks Prudence, who is not happy about that. It's very obvious that it's not Cinderella. Like you see the covers rise and fall and the licking happens it's, before the reveal. It's and Prudence is like, oh, your highness. And she's like outraged that Cinderella's like licking her. But like it's it's, it's Bruno. It's Bruno. It's these are the jokes in this movie. The jokes don't get better than this. That's one of the jokes that I'm gonna use the word lands. I mean, tumbles. it had it had all of the like set up and pay off of a joke like structurally i can recognize that this is a joke congratulations you created a joke you were technically correct so we see cinderella in the kitchen and she's making breakfast um she's making an omelet for the mice and i love this kind of throwback to her just i hope she's making a tiny individual omelet for each mouse the same way she made tiny outfits for the mice. I just, I, I need Cinderella to be just like a deeply neurotic, weird lady. I, I'm convinced this is canon now. We don't have any evidence that that's not what she was going to do. So we hear Prudence shrieking that the princess is lost and races into the kitchen and rudely greets Cinderella thinking that she's a servant. Mm-hmm. And she's like, where is the princess? And Cinderella's like, yes, hello, Prudence. And Prudence hello. is like, Oh, I didn't recognize you. So I guess now she does. Yeah. And she's embarrassed and she goes, oh, a princess never makes her own breakfast. Oh, but it's not your fault. You don't know our traditions. And Cinderella's like, yeah, but it's breakfast and I'm making breakfast. And there are two maids, a a short chubby maid and a tall skinny maid, which I was like, oh, are we going to have a stepmother and evil stepsisters? Are we going to do a Cinderella? No. No, it looks like it because we have a a tall imposing woman and a short fat woman and a tall skinny woman as her sidekicks but no they don't actually get personalities they're all they all just kind of go oh oh no but tradition yep. the, the the chubby maid is the friendlier one of the two and she, she's the one that gets excited about breakfast she is she's like you could have gone for some breakfast she's like we could have toast and jam and i'm like yes toast and jam i'm make some toast and jam jeez but she gets she gets glared at because she's chubby and chubby people don't get bread i thought that just ladies in waiting weren't allowed to be excited about things no everything in this movie was a fat joke they they did not have any humor so they're like oh let's just make someone large and then make fun of them ever wanting to have nourishment or being clumsy because all people above a certain height weight ratio are clumsy and unattractive and therefore hysterically funny because this was 2002 and we still sucked uh i think we still suck but yeah 
oh my god this movie was made the year we met <laughs> what a terrible omen what a terrible omen maybe maybe our friendship is so beautiful and pure that something evil had to come into the world to offset it yeah. i don't know i don't know how you just use the word pure to describe our friendship but thank you it's more of a metaphor than meant to be like a so i'm not going to go through all of this because it's really annoying but we have a whole extended montage it's not quite a montage because there's actually scenes of cinderella failing to be a princess and they do her hair in dumb awkward weird curls with pearls and stuff and they put her in a dumb awkward stupid dress with a corset and a big hoop skirt like that's not what she was wearing when she was dancing with the prince but whatever that's fine Well, that dress was magic and i believe that it didn't have a hoop skirt because she immediately topples over in the hoop skirt i think it was literally held up by magic and that's why she doesn't know how heavy it's gonna be Okay, for the purposes of this universe, I'll agree with you, but I would like it to be stated for the record that hoops are not that heavy. Hers looked like it was straight up made out of metal. Yeah, but they're not that heavy. They're not <gasps> that heavy. Petticoats are so much heavier. To have a zillion petticoats, I would so much rather have a hoop than petticoats. I mean, that is why hoops were created, right? So that right. you wouldn't have to wear that many layers of petticoats. Yes, that's also so that you could get out bigger because you went into like a physics thing at some point with the petticoats. Metal is just, a, it's, it's better structurally, okay? metal is structurally more sound than petticoats okay they also give her like new high-heeled shoes and she acts like wearing them is so hard but this girl danced in glass shoes so i'm right. not i'm not buying I'm not it understanding i don't, I don't buy the shoe here. thing and yeah so they she goes to open the curtains but she's not allowed to open the curtains she's also not allowed to do it herself even if she was allowed to do it which she's not they go through a zillion different rules of seating of dukes can't be sat by marquises and earls must be above so it's dukes and viscounts closest to the king how is it said viscounts viscounts okay so i know how to spell it which is why i can't <laughs> say it uh so dukes and viscounts sit closest to the king unless the marquis is present and then they give her like two different napkins that look identical and they're like cream or ecru and she's like i don't know cream and they're like no it's ecru and she's like they look the same and they're like no they're different and then to top it all off for dessert they're gonna have prunes which is tradition and the king expects them and also prudence likes them and cinderella makes a face yes we also get this line at some point where they're when they're going on and on about seating where cinderella goes wouldn't it be nicer if people could just sit with who they wanted and prudence is like no and then they go out into the courtyard so they go out so that she can practice waving and curtsying. They have yes, to go outside. Remember, curtsy to royalty, wave to nobility. But she immediately sees her, some, we're introduced to them as her villager friends. We've never seen her interact with anybody. Yeah, but, my immediate response was like, what do you mean Cinderella has friends that aren't animals? Yeah, but these are villager friends that one can assume that she has made at some point. And yes. she waves to them and goes over to greet them and wants to fight them inside, but she can't because they're commoners and the gate is only open for royalty. And the commoners are sad and they leave and a little girl cries. And then Cinderella has to balance books on her head and she must dance with poise and grace. And my notes go, hey, this is Cinderella, man. Come on. That, that was the thing that I particularly disliked. Like she you. had such innate poise and grace in the first movie. And yes. with her singing voice and the way she carried herself. And there is so much there that they just didn't include. And it's not that she's clumsy, but she is struggling with all of this. 
And I would have just liked to see her very centered and calm and self-possessed the way that we saw her. It's basically a completely different Cinderella is what I'm saying. Like she's a completely different person. They didn't carry any of it over. She is a twin. She is visually the same. No, she's she not. Lack, she's visually similar. She lacks, yeah, all of the characteristics. She's not as kind. She's not as poised. I'm just repeating what you've said. I'm going to stop now. So at this point, my notes go, none of the ladies in waiting have pupils. Their eyes are just irises all the way to the center. And it makes them look like demons. And I'm Yeah, I thought they looked possessed. Yeah, because you need to have, because Cinderella has pupils. The king has pupils. The prince has pupils. The mice have pupils. But the ladies don't, in waiting... Don't put the mice in places where they weren't. The ladies in waiting don't have pupils. And it's deeply upsetting because they look demon-possessed. They also look very tired and very, like, gray. So they overwhelm her with a zillion questions about, again, which white napkin is the better white napkin and seating and all the things while trying to dance while balancing books and she just gets overwhelmed and falls over yes at which point prudent goes the dance is best performed on one's feet and cinderella I- makes the space where she's like very annoyed which is like not a cinderella move no. and one of the ladies in waiting offers her a hand but she doesn't take it and she just gets up by herself and leaves which is also like so uncharacteristic of her i see i, I thought think. she I, it's the chubby maid and she reaches down to give her a hand up and I thought she takes it she doesn't take it she doesn't oh wow she straight up doesn't take it she just gets up by herself and leaves my brain is just autocorrecting so much of this because I can't like that, that obviously Cinderella would take the hand because that's a kind thing that that lady in waiting is clearly the kind one making a kind gesture of kindness but no Cinderella just stomps off we see her in a room and she's crying and she says, I'm a complete failure as a princess. And a little mouse gives her a little mouse-sized handkerchief. And Cinderella yep. uses it to dab her eyes. And it's I love like, it. It's like a thimble. It's like a handkerchief thimble. It's great. So she goes over to her vanity and looks at it for a while and goes, something's just not right. The point that they're trying to make is that she's not being herself and that she doesn't look like herself. And she's wearing this really big, like really big, bustly pink dress she's wearing something the stepsisters wear she's dressed as what was one of the stepsisters basically but i posit that cinderella doesn't know what she would look like as a princess because she's always had to be like a scullery maid and she liked getting transformed into a pretty like princess outfit so like i don't understand what we're supposed to get from this me neither also she's complaining about everybody all those horrible people and those awful things and you're like that's not a cinderella move cinderella tried to say nice things about lucifer she also looks in the mirror and goes and this hair ew ew because it was made in 2002 yeah there's a lot of modernizing and so then we get this horrific song about changing the rules and i just immediately put into the chat i'm so sorry yeah this there's like this weird soft rock just follow your heart changing the rules yeah it's it's like a girl's rule kind of soft rock anthem and it's so weird it's weird and it's really bad because um initially dear listener when I watched this I had a weekend to myself or something and decided that I was going to watch Cinderella one two and three just as a marathon just back to back to back which by the way 
don't ever do that ever don't ever do that for any reason and the juxtaposition of 1950 cinderella voice which is gorgeous she has an incredible singing voice and 2002 cinderella who does not have a lovely singing voice it's not horrific but the the contrast is painful well it's not cinderella's voice actress it's a completely different singer who had like a top 100 hit at one point it, her name is brooke allison it doesn't she matter had like a hit in 2001 and she was part of a girl group later my point is is like this is not it's a not beautiful even beautiful classic voice no. this is a very pop driven situation yeah a very very briefly popular pop driven sound briefly briefly popular and it's also not a Disney song, so it has none of the feelings that you get when you have a Disney song where you have, you know, a good song. Okay, so the Hercules Disney cartoon is like a mess in terms of its artistic influences versus like the musical choices they made versus like a lot of their story choices, but it's like a beautiful mess and yes. you could tell that they were going for something. So like when they decided that the muses were going to do like gospel music and that they just Meg was going to do like a Motown thing, like you could see what they were going for, even though it was kind of like bizarre and disjointed if you take a step back. Yeah, it uh, was a weird choice, but it worked. This did not. Yeah, this didn't have any of that. They didn't try to ground it in any sort of thing. They just literally went with what was popular at the moment. And so it doesn't read like anything looking at it, you know, 15 years later. Also, when you say what was popular in the moment, I want the listeners to understand that you don't mean the moment is in that year. You mean the moment is in what was in the top 40s that week. Yeah. It was it was rough is what I'm saying. I, the songs are where my experience really goes from I am having a really bad time to oh no, oh no, someone saved me from the decisions that I've made. Help, a consequence. <laughs> Over the course of the song, she like makes all these changes and she gets rid of like the prune situation. She opens the window. She passes out invitations to villagers and royalty both. Prudence follows along behind her the whole time, just basically about to faint just going it isn't done that's literally all she says over and over and they dance faster and like cinderella dances with her handmaidens and they kind of giggle and they're into it i thought that was cute it's a cute moment so she decides to replace the prunes with chocolate pudding which she decides on because jack knocks over a jar full of cocoa and gus knocks over a glass of milk into the same bowl and she looks at it and she goes of course chocolate pudding that's not how you make pudding that sounds like it would taste really bad actually it would because cocoa is really bitter and spoiler when you cook with cocoa you don't use like a cup of it you use you know a couple of teaspoons like it's not it's a very yeah it's an entire taste. bowl full of it it's also like a weird choice for a dessert also when they decide to what color to make it when they animate it they go with gray when it's done it's a gray color 
why not? So the whole time, you know, Prudence is freaking out. Uh, the one of the handmaids, uh, the taller, the taller one asks again, you know, Sander buff, this is like the fourth iteration of this question that we see with two identical ones. And Cinderella goes, what color do you like? And she goes, um, pink. And Cinderella's like, that's perfect. We don't see that happen. Nope. We never see that happen. That doesn't pay out. So we end this horrible montage on Prudence saying, I certainly hope you know what you're doing. And Cinderella puts on the same dress that she had for the ball in the 1950s. It's like in green sea foam. But it's in green sea foam. It's also so badly drawn. It has no detail. And when I mean no detail, I don't mean that the lace isn't delicately animated and there aren't subtle creases and things, although there aren't. What I mean is if you can consider the outline of a human and then you just color seafoam green over part of it it's that there's no sense of depth or roundness or cloth there is no difference in the way her skin texture is handled and the dress texture there's no difference what i'm saying is she could very well just have been spray painted seafoam green it's the same problem that i had with the stepsisters dresses yeah she's the main character yeah you can't have that with the main character that's the whole point of having a main character anyways so so much like a cinderella says well too late to turn back now yep and goes into the ball yeah the band is now playing an irish reel instead of a slow cantata that they had been playing before cinderella is introducing commoners and nobles and they're dancing mice are stealing food and the king arrives home and is announced and then prudence also announces that the king is home He's Which also seems... like dressed for the ball already. Like he's wearing his white outfit. So either he came home, changed, and then showed up for the ball, or he changed wherever he was at his important business. I can't believe they didn't even come up with like a plausible no anything. Anything. It could have been anything. They could have been like, we have to go hunting, or we have to go do a treaty, yeah. or we have to visit a cousin like anything the king of france is dying and we must go pay our respects because that would explain why he was wearing black or it could even go be like we have to go visit your mother's grave it's the anniversary of her death like See, i know that's bleak but like literally anything anything we have to go muck out the stables just something nothing so the king comes in and then a maid also comes in carrying the pudding and screaming pudding just pudding it's the shorter chubbier handmaiden it is and she trips into the king and the pudding lands upside down on his head obviously talon i'm really curious to hear your notes about these next couple of lines of the king because my notes are just in all caps and then no caps (laughs) okay so what happens is daphne is her name the handmaiden after the pudding situation, he's like very mad about it. And he goes, who opened the curtains? And then he goes, oh, the moon is beautiful. He sees the moon through it. And then he goes, commoners in the palace. And he's very angry. And then he sees one he recognizes and goes, oh, hello, Giuseppe. And then he's like, no prunes for dessert. And he's so mad. But then he like tastes the chocolate pudding off of his head. And he goes, oh, wow, chocolate, my favorite. And then he's like, why isn't anybody dancing? Everyone dance. My notes go, 
so I guess we're done with that problem now. The prince now arrives and kisses Cinderella, and the king says, I always said we needed some new traditions, and just takes prudence and just sort of drop kicks her off to dance with the Grand Duke. And the band is now playing a tango. And now we get a romance between the Grand Duke and Prudence, which nobody ever wanted or asked for. Yeah, and it also comes in like the last two minutes of the section. The prince then gets a great line, which is terribly princely of him. And he goes, did did I miss something? (laughs) Oh, honey. The king yells, splendid job, splendid. And while in a dip, Prudence tells him, it's the princess that deserves your praise. I am honored to be at her servant. And all the mice are like dancing. And you can see that Gus Gus is like full and happy. Bloated with food. And basically like, that's it. The king goes, you're a natural and bestows this beautiful sparkly tiara on top of Cinderella's already their headband. And the prince goes, I'm glad you do things your own way. And Cinderella says, someday I'll get this princess thing right. And the prince goes, that day is today. And then they kiss. And that's it. And for a moment, for a beautiful moment, dear listeners, I was like, wow, that wasn't so bad. I'm so glad this is over. It's the end of the story. Surely they're done. No, there's two more short stories (laughs) hang in there. (laughs) I watched your hope rise and then just be crashed in the chats. And I'm not going to lie, I was laughing really hard. I just briefly thought that like maybe I had gotten like so engaged in the story that I didn't pay attention to the passage of time. It was like that felt faster than I thought it would. You know, it was kind of went by quick. It was fairly painless. Now it's over. So here's the thing. Cinderella 1, 2, and 3 have essentially the same runtime. It is, they're all within a minute. Literally, they're all within one minute of one another. But this one lasted a decade, a, a millennia society has fallen and risen again atlantis has sunk beneath the waves i don't know i've been watching this movie my entire life feel ancient (laughs) so we cut back to the mice jack is trying to get the cork out of an ink jar the fairy godmother helps him with her magic wand and jack goes i don't like that magic stuff and the mice tease him about oh but what about that one time and jack again says no one wants to hear this story again jack why aren't we listening to jack why does jack not have more of a say in these meetings because he's been correct on every count so far no one wants to hear this story don't try to sell me on jack anymore this whole segment is jack centered and i no longer care for jack that's fair so but mary the female mouse who we finally get her name says that it's her favorite story and Jack immediately says okay so now we get Jack's story we also have mouse romance we have I wasn't interested in mouse romance no I didn't there is a whole lot of romance in this movie that I did not need every um, segment has like a romance element and in every segment you're like well this is obviously the worst they could do to me and then the next segment happens and you're like okay well this is the worst they could do to me sure Surely now they have sunk to the low. Surely there is no lower that they could sink. And And just every time, every every time. time. Anyway, so what happens is Jack and Gus are like walking through a garden and they're going to pick flowers for Cinderella because they never really get to help her do anything now. She doesn't need the mice. She's got lots of people to help her. 
And we haven't mentioned this yet, but there's a fat white cat who's not Lucifer. This is a girl cat named Pom Pom, who's very like large and fluffy and has this curling forelock and a big pink bow. Her whiskers are also curled, which give her the look of an evil villain with mustachios. Yeah. It was a choice. And kind of like purpley eyelids with like it looks like very black lined and then at one point she gets white and we see like mascara drip down her face yes so the cat within this universe is actively wearing mascara yes which raises a whole lot of questions but i, I don't just, think we have time i don't know whose cat this is it's supposed to be like a palace cat but like whose cat is this i think it's the grand duke's cat I don't because think- he picks her up at one point and says and it's time for your bath which he wouldn't really be in charge of unless it was his cat. So I, I feel think like it's the king cat. can tell him to do anything and he'd, he'd have to do okay, it. Okay, that's fair. So maybe it's the king's cat? The king doesn't seem like he cares about the cat. Dear listeners, those of you who are cleverer than I am may begin to suspect that the reason that there is a girl cat is because we already have a boy cat. And they're going to shoehorn a cat romance. (laughs) But at this point in my viewing, I was innocent and I had hope. And that thought didn't occur to me. So, yes. So the mice start to pick flowers and the wavy flower attracts the attention of evil white fat cat. Named Pom Pom. Pom Pom. And, well, I didn't get her name for a while. So she's in my notes until the third story is just fat evil white cat. It's Pom Pom. She chases them and they escape and they they drag this bouquet into Cinderella's room, slowly shedding petals, right as the Grand Duke is presenting her with this massive bouquet. And she goes, oh, it's even more beautiful than the one from yesterday. And he also brings her a list of things to help with for the spring festival. I'm so mad. They're having another party. It's another party. This, these people it's have another no- party. Spoiler, there's nothing but parties. These people have no way to move a story forward unless there's not a party. And it's always happening the next day. Oh, yeah. You never have ever... more than one day to plan this. Nope. Because stuff happens every day, Talon. And how are you supposed to move events forward if there's not a party? <laughs> there's always a party tomorrow. And you've only started thinking about it today. That's not how anything works. But it's a That's big fine. tradition. It's a yearly tradition. And it's very important. Okay, so the mice give Cinderella the flowers and Jack is like, oh, they're for you, but they're too small. And she's like, they're beautiful. And she puts them in the vase with all the other flowers. And Mary, who is the girl mouse, has made Jack a coat and it's a fancy coat. And he's about to try it on when he realizes that Cinderella forgot that long list of party things. And he's like, ah, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to help her by burning her the list. So he and Gus peace out. And there's just a scene of shenanigans where they get the list, try to get the list to her. She's at a meeting with a lot of people. Jack has to take this scroll under the table and dodge a whole bunch of feet. I don't know if anybody's ever seen underside of a table or a mouse, but apparently what they're all sitting at, what these eight adults are sitting at is a children's card table because there's no other way to explain how smushy their feet are with one another we see them they're at a giant table there's tons of room you could run a dog under that table and have no difficulty avoiding their feet but jack jack the tiny tiny mouse really struggles with this 
so they're having like this meeting while they're having like a luncheon and there's this lady there who's like this duchess I think they introduce her later and she like drops a napkin and it falls on Jack Jack one of the things that they're saying during this meeting by the way clearly written by someone who has sat in like one too many meetings is I propose we move the spring festival to summer and I was like I yes I have been to that meeting (laughs) I was completely ignoring all of that because I was so annoyed at the size discontinuity between the feet the table the mouse and the scroll I was really just focused on that so the duchess who is fat and a lot of jokes hinge on that yeah she drops her napkin and lands on Jack and she picks him up. My notes just say, screamy mouse scene. Yeah, so she's freaking out because not only is this like horrible and horrifying, like in general, she specifically hates mice. And then we get this really long scene of just her feet stomping around as he runs back and forth. And it was like really kind of like- It's aggressive. Caricaturish and like- Unpleasant. Unpleasant. It was, it was an unpleasant scene. Like on one hand, it, we, we watch Lucifer and the cats chase the mice and that's kind of okay. But watching a massive woman try to stomp a mouse to death in high heel purple shoes is just gross. I mean, it's like, it's another one of those things that's meant to be a visual gag hinging on the fact that like, it's supposed to be funny to us that she's fat basically and that she's stomping on a mouse and she can't get him. Yeah that's the joke that's the joke the echoing silence you can hear is where the laughter is supposed to go so jack dejectedly hides behind a vanity leg in cinderella's room she can immediately find him by the way no matter what even though again they're in a palace and he's a mouse but she can just she can find him well she can find him in that moment and not in any other moments as the plot dictates so Cinderella asks if he's okay and Jack says that he's sad that he can't help her and Cinderella asks him to come visit the fairgrounds with her and that she'll need his help for that and to meet her in the stables in 10 minutes. Jack has a surprising amount of shenanigans just trying to get to the stables which we did not need. We did not need that. It added nothing. He gets almost stepped on by people, almost stepped on by horses and then when he's finally there, he's like, oh, she's never going to see me on the floor. On the floor, in front of the wagon, right in front of the door when she comes in. Even though she's found him hiding behind a vanity. So he climbs into the wagon, which is a hay cart, and hides in the hay because mice are so much easier to find when they're literally in a haystack. In a haystack. Isn't there a saying about things no, in haystacks being hard to not. find? There's not? There's not? No, okay. I think you're making that up. So a farmer gets a pitchfork and pitchforks a big spoonful of hay into a manger. And of course, Jack is there. And so Cinderella doesn't find him and he tries to call her name. But every time he calls her name, the horse is winning. And so she doesn't hear him and is like, well, I guess he didn't want to come. And she gets on her horse and just rides off. She's also wearing like this really cute riding outfit with like this little jacket on top of her skirt. It is a cute riding outfit. I I like that they stop leaning into the, I can only wear peasant clothes or stupid badly animated royal clothes. It's just for this little story. The rest of the time she goes back to only wearing peasant clothes. And every time she dresses up fancy, it's always her like famous Cinderella dress, but in a slightly different color. Yep. 
Yep. Which makes me mad. There are no other dress styles that she can think of. And her hair is always up in that like iconic bun situation. Bun thing. Yeah. So Jack climbs a rope, jumps off something tall, lands on the horse's tail, Cinderella's horse's tail, and it flicks him off. And he flies 60 feet and lands on the ground. And then he throws like a mouse temper tantrum and is yep. like, he never gets to do anything anymore. He used to get to help a lot. Now he's too small to help. The castle is not like the house. The castle is for big people. And he doesn't like being small and he doesn't like being a mouse. And then he says, I wish I was big. And the fairy godmother appears and immediately sits on him. Yep. The fairy godmother appears and terrifies the cat, which has been stalking him. Yes. And she goes, I heard your wish. Aren't you happy the way you are? And he's like, no, I want to be big. And then he thinks about it and he's like, not just big. I want to be human. Nobody likes mice anyway. He talks about like all of the like terrible things that happen to him because he's a mouse. And he's like, humans are bigger. Bigger is better. Well, one of the things that he includes is horrible things that happen to him as a mouse are like, people sit on me. And she's like, no. <laughs> and you're like, anybody else see literally 15 seconds ago? Was it just me? Did everybody blink really hard? Except for me? What happened? So... She has her vivity bobbity boo moment and bam, Jacques is human. Um, and the cat looks at him and pictures like 10 mice stacked on top of each other, mm-hmm. equaling to human-sized Jacques and is like rubbing her hands together and is like really like delighted by the idea that if she eats this human, it'll be like eating 10 mice. Uh, so this cat is now a cannibal. And it's ready to eat human flesh. Yes, this this cat is a man-eater now. And we'll proceed to stalk Jack throughout the entirety of this segment. Uh, It's very, like, alligator stalking Captain Hook. Yes. a persistent threat. But not funny, because the alligator bit is kind of funny. No, I loved the cat stalking him. I thought it was hysterical. All right. So we then... Well, we should describe what he looks like as a human. He looks like an evil henchman. He's got like a very big nose and very buck teeth. And he's got this very floppy hair. See, I have that he looks like LeFou from Beauty and the Beast, but just taller, just sort of stretched upwards. Oh, I see it. We get another horrific song. (laughs) Oh, I wrote down some of the lyrics. I just wrote, we got a horrific bluesy song about changing your point of view. Uh, it goes when you're small one inch tall and then you're six foot two you're in the big time now and the world is looking up to you and then it goes ooh 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 a lot and it's very like a lot of ooh ooh heavy it's really terrible so he shows up at the fairgrounds which are literally like a fairgrounds like they're they're doing like ferris wheel and a juggler and like a puppet show and all that stuff and he tries to introduce himself Cinderella and in the process of trying to tell her he's Jacques but he's human now he just gets out Hugh and she's like I yes Sir Hugh well he gets he gets a bucket of concrete knocked onto him I mean yes that doesn't help he's tall and so the the running joke is that he keeps hitting his head on things because he's not used to being really tall evidently this movie doesn't understand that the eyes are still upwards like the eyes are at the top of the head 
So yes, it would be weird to have a different perspective, but you would still be able to see things that were, you know, at eye level, even if eye level was six feet taller than you were used to being. I was really angry about this. Uh, the eyes are still proportionally in the same part. It's not like his eyes are down at his ankles. His eyes are up in a normal eye place for eyes to be in his head. So this is what bothered you out of everything in this <laughs> movie. This is what got you. No, this is one of the things that bothered me. Because at this point, I was like, I don't care about anything anymore. Nothing <laughs> matters. We have no rules. Let's just go with it. Okay. So he he winds up agreeing that he is on the committee to help with the spring festival that cinderella, is kind of how committees work it is cinderella asks if they should ride back together it doesn't go well because he can't ride a horse and crashes his horse into a tree but also like a flower tree and so he gives her flowers okay so it's it's one thing when he's a little mouse and you don't really read romantic intent into it especially since he has like a girl mouse that we're supposed to read romantic intent into. But yes. when it's a human man giving human Cinderella flowers and is clearly like very like attracted to her in the sense that he like wants to be near her and yes. he's trying to talk to her and is just following her around a lot, you get like a distinct romantic vibe and it's weird. It is weird. I don't like it. Um, Jack is still afraid of the cat okay i love this part because the cat is still stalking him okay you talk about it because i hated this part and like sees this piece of cheese on a plate on a table and throws the cheese onto the floor and just waits for jack to notice it and he <laughs> leaps towards it like a human man about to eat cheese off the floor and she's looking at him so smugly and at this point she's like i'm gonna eat this man <laughs> And it's like just rubbing her hands. Yep. So he, in a panic, bolts for his mouse hole. Obviously it doesn't work because he's a person. That's the joke. He picks up a Ming vase to hit the cat and Cinderella rounds the corner and goes, oh good, you found a vase for the flowers. It's labeled. That's how we know it's a Ming vase. Yes. I just thought uh, that was funny. The, the fat purple lady from before is again screaming about mice jack realizes that this must be gus he walks in all the mice are jumping up and down on the floor just for no reason just to and be there she immediately shrieks is smitten with him leaps on him and we get the fat woman skinny man gag because this is funny announces that he's her hero and cinderella's like great you guys get to lead the first dance Meanwhile, the mice are wondering where Jacques is and are kind of like getting worried about him. So she, so he shoves his nose into the mouse hole and yells, here I am. And they scream and run away. Obviously. Obviously. And then fairy godmother shows up and asks him, oh, what's wrong? Well, surely you're happy. Surely you don't miss being a mouse. It's horrible. I hated it. It's very like she knows what's best for him and is waiting for him to admit it. It's like not great. Okay, that okay. So this thing, it's okay. Every time there's like a moral to the story, it's a dumb moral and has nothing to do with the actual character as we already know them. So like no. in the first segment, 
Cinderella's whole thing is like, you have to learn to follow your heart and like be yourself. That was never a problem for her. Nope. Like that wasn't a lesson she needed to learn. Nope. And for him, it's like, you have to learn that being a mouse means you can do things and, you know, you don't need to be human to be helpful. But like, we've already established that. We've seen him be helpful. Like we've seen him save the day. Yes. He is literally the savior of the entire movie because he gets the stupid key out of the stepmother's pocket. And that's that's Jack all by himself. Him and well, Gus. Gus does. Well, yes, but he is the one that gets it. Anyways. Yes. He is the driving force behind the I can't believe we're arguing over this. The agency of witch mice. <laughs> I'm so sorry about this. We have to go. So he goes zug zug, which is the thing that mice say to each other. And he does like a thumbs up and Mary, the mouse, overhears it and is kind of like, hmm. And she starts getting an inkling that this might be Jacques. But the Grand Duke shows up and hears this and is like, zug zug. And Jack goes, it's French. The Grand Duke has been trying to guess his nationality in that super charming way white people do, like, where like, they're like, you're, oh, you're Dutch? Dutch? You're... What was the other one he did? Norwegian? Norwegian. I didn't write it down in my notes because I did not care enough about the stupid comedy beat. It was just like, nobody likes it when people do that. And he kept questioning him the entire time. Like, oh, are you this? Oh, are you that? Oh, is that where you're from? That's not fun. So he's finally like, ah, French. And he's like so satisfied that now he has the answer. So we cut to the festival, which again, it's just a carnival. Like it's a state fair with, you know, uh, jugglers and, and... and elephants, we find out. They also have a dunk tank. A dunk tank, yep. Uh, Gus and Mary are trying to find Jack. Jack tries to tell Cinderella that he's himself, but the fat lady hauls him away. The cat continues to stalk him while he's on the dance floor with the fat lady, attacking him by landing on his head. And he falls backwards into a bucket, question mark, question mark, question mark, and then flees in terror from his fat dance partner. Did I miss anything? No, like literally she leans over to see if he's okay and he sees her through the water and shrieks in horror even though they were just dancing together. Okay, good. So he he falls into the Ferris wheel. Which is CGI. Uh Uh-huh. And that seat has pom-pom in it. Yeah, smiling evilly. Smiling evilly. He freaks out, leaves the seat of the Ferris wheel which, by the way, looks like a bunch of, like, sofas attached to the wheel. That looks amazing. I would ride that forever. That's... I would never ride that. They're not booths. They're just sofas. I would you could fall off of that, that so easily. I would be so soothing to take a nap It's a bad on. idea. It's, it's... Listeners, you might not know this, but between the two of us, one of us always had really bad ideas in high school. And one of us was always the voice of reason. I'd like to start a poll where people guess which one is which. Listen, I just think that safety measures have not been met and I have concerns and I am all for Ferris wheels as long as they're done safely. Okay, so Jack climbs to the top of the Ferris wheel and then <laughs> falls off do. and lands on the elephant, which is carrying the king and the Grand Duke, and it grows into a rampage. And this is like our problem in this segment is that there's an elephant on a rampage in this This cinderella movie in this cinderella movie our problem 
is that a rampaging elephant is present. I have to go. I have to leave. <laughs> I just remembered. I can't do this. <laughs> so Jack is uh, all upset and says, this is all my fault. I wish for the fairy godmother. And she appears and says, this is your chance to help. And he just looks at her in confusion and she goes well what do you think would stop an elephant and again he looks at her in absolute confusion and we hear the king say in the background stop in the name of the king which was my favorite moment <laughs> and the fairy godmother says well aren't all elephants afraid of mice are you a man or a mouse and jack proudly goes i'm a mouse and he pulls out the tiny jacket out of like his breast pocket that mary made for him but we saw her holding it in an earlier scene after he had tried it on because he ran out with her still holding it. And I hate that. Like, I know it's so dumb. I know it's so minor. But when you're animating each individual image, like, someone should have kept track of where the jacket was because he didn't have it. Mary had it unless she had a second identical jacket. Like, that's so weird. That's continuity i'm like hating my desk yep so he as a human jack races out in front of the elephant and stands in a dramatic hero pose with one hand up the fairy godmother then forgets the magic words this is where we get uh manufactured tension yep. as if it's not all gonna work out yeah because now the elephant is very close to him and the fairy godmother still has not remembered the bibbity bobbity boo song well, they're trying to make it like really suspenseful and they're zooming in really tight and they're like, oh no, the elephant is coming. Oh no, he's getting closer. Oh no, what's going to happen? And then he turns into a mouse. Yeah, obviously. And he, get, he says, I guess there's some things that only a mouse can do or something incredibly stupid like that. No, that's literally exactly it. Oh, good. I just said the dumbest thing off the top of my head and I'm glad. That I was right. it word for word. Okay, the elephant, good. by the way, stops immediately and like covers his eyes with his ears. Yes and flings the king off who then lands in the ferris wheel and goes up and says i can see my castle from here and is happy again because the king has the emotional continuity of a newborn yes uh, at this point jack realizes that he's a mouse again because he's holding his tail and starts singing i'm a mouse i'm a mouse i'm a mousey mousey mouse and i was just just continually i, I stopped after one refrain but he continues dear listener yeah the cat sees him again and is real happy and starts stalking him. So then the Duchess sees the cat and is like, oh, it's Sir Hugh's kitty and picks her up and is like, let's go find him. And the cat is like, no. And they walk off. And that's like, that's it for that. And Mary, the mouse, finds him. And it's like, that was so brave. And Cinderella's like, shock, you saved the day. I can always count on you. And he's like, really? And she's like, yeah. And Mary kisses Jacques, and then he kisses her back, and then the fairy godmother makes fireworks. That's the end of that segment. So then we cut back to the, the meta plot, and Mary's, The framing device. The framing device, thank you. And Mary's next line is literally, thank goodness that's over, and I just have to know was someone's snarky intern just sneaking lines into the script? Because this is the third one now. At, at one point, after Cinderella announces like the spring festival, or somebody announces the spring festival, Cinderella goes, 
boy, you sure throw a lot of parties. It made me furious. Right. Because if you can tell that that's a thing enough to comment on, then you should have changed it. Yeah, if, if you know you better that you're throwing too many parties and that that's a really heavy crutch that you're using. Maybe like as a writer. As a writer, to the point that you're like, well, I should have someone comment on this so that it's not weird and stupid. Maybe consider something that's not weird and stupid. Because it's still weird and stupid, but now we're all actively thinking about it. So uh, in the framing device, Jack says, no more magic. And then the mice say, well, this is certainly going a lot faster with magic. And one of the mice grabs a bag full of glitter, magic glitter, and throws it on stuff. And then and it all comes to life and it's like making a mess. It, it does the Sorcerer's Apprentice thing where yes. it, it's out of control and the painting stuff goes everywhere and erases things and there's pencils and listeners, I'm really, I'm trying my best to explain this, but you have to understand that what happened on screen was just a fever dream and trying to explain it with words is really hard. It's what happens is the fairy godmother waves her magic wand and the sparkles from it go everywhere and one of the mice takes his hat off and like scoops a bunch of the sparkles up and then kind of lobs them at something. So he redirects the magic that was already there and all of these writing utensils come to life and it's all very annoying like the scissors go and cut a ribbon by themselves but it's not where they wanted to cut it and just stuff like that. Anyway, so the fairy godmother puts a stop to it all. And the mice are like, well, this sure is a mess, but we've seen worse. Remember when Anastasia fell in love? And then, Which is like so clunky. So clunky. And then we get the most upsetting line for me. The fairy godmother goes, Anastasia, do you mean Cinderella's stepsister? Woman? C- come over here. I'm going to hit you with my shoe. Talon, why is that line in there? Why did we include that line? Oh, it's for the viewers who aren't sure who Anastasia is, because not everybody does an insane close read of Cinderella while they watch it. No, no. Everyone knows that Anastasia and Drizella are the stepsisters, because that is just basic knowledge from everybody who's watched the 1950s Cinderella, which is all children who would also be watching this. No, I don't think people were going to remember their names. I'm going to do a Facebook poll. Okay, you do. We'll do a Twitter poll. Fine. For all I, of our seven followers. Because <laughs> I guess my Facebook would be a little bit skewed given how many Disney nerds that are my friends. <laughs> all right. So Mary goes, now that's a messy story. Uh, and we get Anastasia's story now. No, no, no. They're like, one of the mice goes, now that's a messy story. And Mary goes, no, it's a love story. Yeah, but I didn't include that line because I hated it. <laughs> Um, so Anastasia is looking at like a music box that's definitely Cinderella and the prince like dancing together, which is a weird thing to have of your stepsister who you've like bullied and abused. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. And she's sort of. But we're not going to address that at all in this. So don't worry. But it will come back in the most horrifying way possible. So don't get comfortable either. So she's sort of bouncing a ribbon in tune with the music and Lucifer tugs it and Drisella, the other stepsister, shows up and they fight over whose ribbon it is and it tears in half and they start screaming at one another. And the stepmother rolls in and at this point, at this point I was angry because Lady Tremaine still looks 
basically the same. She's less gracefully drawn. So her hair is less detailed and her features are a little bit... Mm. There's a definite downgrade in animation. And they tried the hardest with Lady Tremaine to maintain it. But it's also where it's the most obvious. Yes. So again, it, it is the store brand version. And they tried to have someone mimic her voice. They tried. They tried. And the person who was that voice actor had was familiar with the soft and loud patterns of Lady Tremaine and did their best to imitate it. And it sucked. It was just not the same like amount of malice. And to be fair, it never could be, which is why they should just not include her. Just if if you know that you have have a, the, the best one of the best Disney villains of all time, just don't ever try to repeat that. Just move on. Do something else. Introduce a different bad person. Well, it's also like a weird choice to make. Because she was, like, the unapologetic villain of the previous one. And she never got, like, a comeuppance in any way. And in this one, we're just acting like none of that happened. No. Because she announces that Cinderella's throwing another ball. And they're going to it. So not only, again, are we having yet another ball. But her stepsisters and stepmother are invited. Which, like, is weird to me. And they have no... No reaction that would imply that they're related to Cinderella. Or that there was anything, like, any tension there or anything. Yeah. Like, there's no sense that they're trying to suck up to her. There's no sense that she's forgiven them. There's no sense that they, like, are going to acknowledge that she used to be their servant because they abused her. No, they just... You would not know from the sentence that they have ever heard of her before. Anyways, the stepmother says... Uh, I won't have you failing me again. And the stepmother says that they have to look better because proper looks are the only way to attract a man. And they can they have they can marry someone eligible, like a duke or a count. And so we cut to the palace. And again, it's a different palace, not only from before, but also from before in this movie before. It's, yeah. it's different from the first story it's, it's continuous in the second two stories but the first palace is different so this is the now the third palace just slightly between each like segment which is so weird because they all had the same director I just it's bizarre yeah. anyway so Cinderella's there in her like scullery made outfit and she's, she's going yeah, she's going she's, to the market in disguise for no reason was there a reason no. given yes because she wants to surprise the prince with a garland of flowers and we see that there's like a stall where you can buy like a heart-shaped wreath uh for the ball and it's like if you give this to someone you love then you'll be together forever is it's what tr- the salesperson tells to the people that he's selling his product to this is just old school Dr. Oz. I, I can't knock that as being unbelievable. We, that is clearly a thing that works. So Anastasia's there and yes. she overhears this and she kind of lingers by the stall and the shopkeeper is like, you. And she's like, me? And he's like, yes, you. And she's like, get, and he's like, get a flower wreath. 
uh, he's guaranteed to win you his heart. And this is kind of where we get that Anastasia is like a closet romantic before her mother pulls her away. Yeah. And so then the stepmother and Drizella are walking away and Anastasia is trailing behind them. But she is, something crosses her path. (laughs) And in the most realistic moment in this entire movie, Anastasia closes her eyes and is drawn from her path and seduced by the smell of bread. Fresh bread. Fresh bread. And at this point, I'm, I'm on board. Yeah, no. What, have I been absolutely waylaid by... No, something is bread. There's fresh bread somewhere. I have to go. I must follow the smell of the bread. So this is a very believable meet-cute for me. Oh, absolutely. So what happens is she follows the scent and it's visually depicted like you can see the smell and she follows it into a bakery and she and the baker kind of smile at each other and it's, it's very cute. It's a, and it's a good Cinderella sees this through the window mm-hmm. and these are their super romantic lines to each other. Anastasia goes, everything smells so good. And the baker goes, would you like one? Careful, they're hot. Yep. That's it. But then <laughs> the stepmother comes in and yells and says everything in the shop is inferior and drusella says mean things about the biscuits and the stepmother drags anastasia away and says i forbid you to talk to that shopkeeper which i like that they're finally showing that she also terrorizes her daughters which is what i thought was missing in the first one yes i i agree that that is i'm trying i'm trying to find nice things so Cinderella's looking in at the window of the bakery still and says, he's got that look. I know that look. And the mice go, seasick? <laughs> and Cinderella goes, no, they're in love. That's and the it. mice are like, seriously, come on, man. That's... So Cinderella's like, well, maybe she just needs some help. And, and they're, like, they're like, yeah, lots of help. She's going to need a lot of help. And Cinderella gets really salty about that. And she goes, hey, I need a lot of help too. But no, I'm sorry. Those are drastically different kinds of help. Um, assistance with a commute is different than therapy. Like, um, also, this is the girl who's partially whose fault it was that you needed help in the first place. And so this she is again- She tore your dress off of you. Yeah, she's awful and has made no effort. To, so this is where we lean back into the Cinderella is sweet and kind and helpful, which- this doesn't make any sense. So if in the first movie we saw that the stepmother kind of like rules over her daughters the same way that she rules over Cinderella and that they know that they're one step away from being treated just like her and live in constant terror of their mother, I would understand that more, but that's not how the first movie played it. No. So, I mean, what they're trying to do here is um, Ever After, where yes, this, where... Um, Jacqueline the the darker stepsister is definitely her mother's not favorite and is always being criticized and so she's trying to help Cinderella but kind of can't because she's scared of her mother so she's definitely not an evil stepsister she's just ineffectual she's ineffect she can't really help she's under her mother's thumb she, she has a character you guys are we get nothing in the first movie the stepsisters are equally awful no one gets even a frame of a sympathetic look or an offered hand or anything they're all equally awful but lady tremaine is terrifying 
And now we're just supposed to pretend that that didn't happen. And like, but I they keep alluding to it. I can't, I can't pretend that that didn't happen because I just saw it. We just saw it. You know, for the makers of this, it's been 50 years and they're over it. Maybe, maybe they forgot. But I've, I've seen this back to back and I don't like it. Okay, so here's the plan. Cinderella's going to lure them into the square together and she tells the mice and the birds and it's all whispered and then she goes, that's right, Gus, they'll never know what hit them, which is a weird thing to say, but it was made in 2002. So the birds steal Anastasia's bonnet and like fly it into the middle of the square. And then the mice who were told to keep it single, simple start juggling bread in the bakery, which the baker doesn't notice. So Cinderella whistles and the mice kind of fall apart from their like cheerleader pyramid and wave at the baker who's like, oh my God, there's mice in my bread. And he waves them out of the shop, swing his baguette. <clears throat> the line is mice in my baguettes <laughs> so the mice run directly into lucifer's face who's clearly an indoor cat there clearly is no way indoor. lady tremaine lets her cat wander around in the market no this is a house cat i don't know why lucifer's anyways so the bird drops the hat and anastasia and the baker have another meat cute but lucifer runs and frightens a horse and the horse kicks Anastasia breaking her spine instantly and she dies on the spot I was about to say and then she died <laughs> so the horse kicks her very hard in the middle of the back and she flies through the air back into the bakery and winds up covered in bread dough and yeast it and looks eggs. like broken eggs broken eggs it, it's gray again and the baker comes in and grabs her arm and asks if she's okay you know clearly very concerned we should describe the baker because we haven't done that oh yeah he's like a very sweet kind of pudgy man with like light hair and he looks like that guy from frozen is it hans yeah he looks kind of like a chubby hans yeah no not hans hans is the bad guy oh what's the other one the blonde one, whichever Christoph. the blonde one is. Kristoff. Yeah. He looks sort of like a chubby Kristoff. He's clearly drawn to be sort of plainer because he's got sort of a, a roundier nose and he's definitely pudgy and he's, he does like an awkward smile. But he's really cute. Actually. He's really cute. Like on a gorgeous scale. No, he's not gorgeous, but he's super cute. Like he's, he's cuter than the prince because he has a goddamn personality yeah definitely he makes bread and he makes bread actually that's almost directly a line that cinderella says later yes which again one person in the making of this movie was a real person and everybody else was a bot so anastasia runs out of the bakery she's like her dress is dirty her hair her face everything's covered in like baking things and she's like crying and all the villagers laugh at her, presumably because she's very mean and she's laughed at all of them before. And she runs to the fountain and is just there crying. Yep. Cinderella comes up to her and Anastasia goes, you look like a laundry maid. And Cinderella says, I'm not the one with egg on my face. Which like, that's a great rejoinder, but not a very Cinderella move. Not a Cinderella move. Although 
like it's the whole thing is just so weird anyways cinderella says you know hey just go back and talk to him it was an accident you know i saw his face it was fine and anastasia goes you wouldn't know what it's like it's always been easy for you because she's beautiful because she's beautiful and i'm like that's that's some gaslighting right there woman you need to not well cinderella says easy that's not how i remember it but they don't get into it any more than that nope and then cinderella invites her back to the palace to get cleaned up well anastasia says if i weren't so clumsy and plain and in all caps i wrote in my notes that is not what your problem is nope because through this whole segment we see her being really abrasive and like rude and mean all the time like we're not saying every line that she says but she's like me yeah she's not and okay if you want to film this in the most charitable possible light she has had no examples of what kind behavior is we have a scene later where she has to practice smiling because she has no idea what it would mean to smile or be nice to somebody and she's had no examples of that lady tremaine is a dragon drusella is awful cinderella existed her whole life but um we're just going to look past that and it's just baffling so anastasia says my mother forbid me to talk to him and then we sort of just cut away from that scene okay so the stepmother told her that he's beneath her oh right and cinderella's like well she's wrong the baker's terrific and he cooks too right which i love that line that is a good line because the baker is terrific he's clearly sweet and hardworking, and he makes bread i can't if you're gonna fall in love with someone at first say why not someone who's making delicious bread right that is the most accurate logic anyways so we cut to lucifer chases the mice into the palace and this is by far the worst thing that has ever happened to me in this past hour (laughs) because lucifer sees pom-pom and like decides that he's in love with her and he gets like googly eyes over her and he gets hypnotized Pom-pom. eyes. He gets the spiral hypnotized eyes. It's not hearts for eyes. He gets hypnotized eyes. He sure does. Yep. And she like looks at him and kind of swishes away and shows her backside to him. And it's like weirdly heart shaped. And she just saunters away because she's not into him. And at that point, I was like, oh my God, that's why they have a girl cat. Ew. <laughs> I I spent a lot of our chat just apologizing because I knew that this was going to happen. But there's really no way to warn anybody about this except by this episode, which hasn't, I mean, I couldn't share this with you. It's bad. It's bad and it's dumb and it like, it keeps going. So, so the, the mice mind- steal pom-pom's ribbon and they use the ribbon as leverage with Lucifer to make a deal where they will help him get with pom-pom if he agrees to stop chasing them and he agrees we then get a horrific makeover song for lucifer and anastasia they're like we keep switching back and forth between anastasia and lucifer because they're both getting makeovers at the same time yep and like both of them are villains and both of them are just like the song is like 
hey, maybe you want to look your best, but it's what's inside that counts. But they're both terrible on the inside. And that was the entire point of the first movie is that they're both not nice. So they have different comedy beats in each separate montage. Uh, Anastasia's is that she keeps wanting to go for a fancier look. So she wants another face mask. She wants a bigger necklace. She wants gowns with that are floofier, just more gaudy. She wants to go more ostentatious with her new look. Lucifer gets turned into Rastafarian Lucifer and then yep. Clown Lucifer. Yep. And then Fancy Boy Lucifer with like a middle part with the two ends curling in on his bangs. Yeah, which is what we eventually land on. Anastasia gets a simpler dress more, uh, and then a more natural hairstyle. Just She gets the Little Mermaid hairstyle. She does. She gets Ariel's hairstyle. Which, like, I don't know why they can have her thing to be true to herself and, like, let her be gaudy and have her pin curls. Like, oh, because she's doing that because she thinks that her that the only way to attract a man is with physical beauty and she needs to be forcibly shown that, yes, but you have terrible taste, so no, you don't get to make those choices. I just think that the, the moral wasn't so much as, like, be yourself as you have bad taste, here we're something nicer. <laughs> well, it's you catch more flies with honey than vinegar, and which is what Cinderella says to Anastasia. And Anastasia's like, flies why would i want to catch flies and cinderella's like just be nice to him and anastasia says how do i do that which is such a tell and then she goes i need a bigger necklace and cinderella says well you can you can start with a smile and then they practice smiling and anastasia has a really hard time with it and she makes like a really scary looking face and lucifer sees her and hisses so she hisses back at him and he runs away and in a very just deadpan voice, she goes, I make babies cry too. Yeah. It's kind of incredible. And I love her. Uh, um, I think the writing is bad, but I like Anastasia. So she, Anastasia is, has another minor freak out that her, her mother will find out that Lady Tremaine will, will wise up. Cinderella says, meet me in the market at noon and you get this moment where you're not sure if Anastasia will agree but then she does and she's very happy about it and then at this point I had been typing when we saw the music box the first time so I had seen I had heard that it was a music box but I had not seen that it was Cinderella and the Prince so Anastasia's looking at the music box again and like it's Cinderella and the Prince dancing together but it's very simplified versions of them they look like little like wood carvings and then her imagination makes them kind of become life-size but they're still simplified wooden carvings and they look like like mannequins and it's really upsetting and then it transforms into her and the baker and she picks up lucifer and dances with him anastasia's dancing around her bedroom and lady tremaine walks by and sees this out of the corner of her eye and looks at her but anastasia's back sitting in her chair brushing her hair again and lady tremaine is suspicious but not alerted and leaves and then the clock chimes noon and she throw, Anastasia throws off her robe and she's got her like dress on underneath it. Mm-hmm. And she runs into the kitchen, throws all the bread out the window, yells, mother, I have to run to town, we're out of bread. 
and then runs outside, pushes the coachman off the carriage and goes, excuse me, can I borrow this? Thanks. And sits and just drives the carriage away. Tiny note, when she throws the bread, she throws the bread out of the sort of half door that we've seen in the kitchen onto Drusella's head. Because Drusella's <laughs> head appears from behind the door and she goes, hey, why are we implying that Drusella is sleeping in the sun on the outside stoop of the kitchen door like Bruno? I think she was like out for a walk and she was coming back in or something. It's a half door. She threw it over a half door, Talon. I, I can't help you with this. I can okay. only move on. Okay. And I encourage on. you to do the same. Let's move on. So we cut to the baker and Anastasia separately, both buying a rose wreath. Anastasia gives a flower to a little girl. Cinderella just, reminds her to smile. There's just like a little girl like kind of peeking at her shyly and the fact that Anastasia gives her a flower is like supposed to be a moment. It's supposed to be a moment of growth where she's she's being kind to a stranger for no reason. We then get the traditional romance novel problem where Anastasia is excitedly walking towards the baker. The baker is talking with someone labeled beautiful woman. I'm going to assume it's his sister or something. And he's holding onto one wreath onto the wreath and the beautiful woman is holding onto the other end and so it looks like he's giving it to her but what she's saying to him out of earshot of Anastasia is oh I'm sure she'll love it and so Anastasia sees this is overcome with emotion turns away misses the woman's husband coming up and giving her a kiss and walking away with her the baker hears her anguished cry and sees her fleeing the scene and runs after her yep Yep, Cinderella asks what happened, but Anastasia just keeps running away, and we cut to Lucifer. So in this scene, Lucifer is all dolled up again, but in the previous scene where Anastasia was dancing with him, he wasn't. No. He was back to his regular scruffy cat self, so I don't understand. He was also in their house, and now he's back in the palace. So I assume he walked over to the palace, and then the mice gave him a second makeover again, which, like, Why? Anyway, so the mice give him a bouquet of fish to give to Pom Pom, who's just sitting there licking herself. Okay, I thought the bouquet of fish was kind of creative. If you're gonna have a cat-based romance novel, I think a bouquet of dead fish is kind of funny. No, I hate it. (laughs) I I hate it. Where did the mice get it? How did they get it? I just, I hate it. Anyway, she walks in a circle around him, pom-pom, walks in a circle around Lucifer and is like looking him over, looks him up and down, kind of rubs her like paw on her chin, like thinking about it and then takes the bouquet and hugs him. And so I guess he's gotten her seal of approval, but then over his shoulder, she sees the mice, makes Mm -hmm. a space at Lucifer, like, let's get him. You wanna? And And he thinks about it for a second and then- nods enthusiastically and they both stalk the mice in unison how did the mice not see this coming how did they think they could make a deal with a cat in which they give the cat the thing that the cat wants right away for a promise that later on he will not continue hunting them i'm pretty sure that's just what we have when we put money into pensions and 401ks oh don't bum me out i'm already like (laughs) sorry i'm the dark one now okay so Pom-Pom catches Gus 
and Jack knocks a pitcher of water over on her, which ruins her curls and, and makes mascara. her and her mascara. Her mascara runs. And so Pom Pom is now mad at Lucifer and For hits him reason. with the fish. And the mice say in a very sort of 2002 tone of voice, the deal is off and knock over a broom and it hits Lucifer on the head and he falls over. Yeah. And now we cut back to the baker walking dejectedly to a fountain and he puts his wreath down on the ground and a goat eats it. And all he's left with is one sad flower. A little crumpled, torn up flower. At which point he notices that Anastasia is still crying at the very same fountain that he's sitting at. Yeah. He hears that someone is crying and goes to look and it's Anastasia. And she goes, don't look at me. I look horrible. Which is what I say when I cry. <laughs> he, I say, I'm not crying as tears pour down my face. So she gets up to, to flee again and he catches her hand and says, wait, please, and hands her a flower. And she smiles a natural smile for the first time. And it's kind of sweet. And she puts it in her hair. This is the saddest flower you have ever seen. It's got like three petals left. They're all wrinkled and crushed. And the fact that she puts it in her hair is so sweet. It is so sweet. And the fact that it makes her have a real smile, which is the first real smile we've ever seen on her, makes this moment actually very sweet. But no, no. Lady Tremaine shows up to ruin everything. And she's all, how dare you defy me? You've embarrassed yourself enough with this foolishness. Come along. And Drusella says, you'll make us all a laughing stock. And at this point, Anastasia stands up to her mother and she's like, no, mother, you're wrong. He's sweet. And the baker's like, she's wonderful. And not, well, they wonderful. haven't gotten to know each other very well yet. And Anastasia goes, we're going to the ball together. And Lady Tremaine just goes, Drusilla, come along and just leaves. And I'm like, no, no, no. This is the point at which Lady Tremaine is like, well, then don't bother coming home. Yeah. And Cinderella's like, well, then you can just live in the castle. Clearly, no, that doesn't happen. We also get a moment where Drusilla is sort of looks torn, which makes no sense because we've never seen her have any emotion other than horrible person where she's confused about what's happening. And it looks like she sort of wants to go to her sister which doesn't think, make any sense. No, I think what she's realizing is like, wait, we can say no. We can just not do what she says. <laughs> that worked? What do you mean that worked? So at this point, I had a horrible moment. I, in my head, I went, I thought there were only three of these. I don't remember anymore. But there's still 20 minutes left in this movie. Is there a fourth one? I will die. There is not a fourth there one. There is not Everyone a fourth relax. one. relax. It's okay. There were there only are three. 15 solid minutes of credits is what happens. So Anastasia and the Baker start dancing and we fade transition to them dancing at the ball. And she's wearing Belle's outfit from Beauty and the Beast. It's nice, but it's, it's nice. It's and Belle's outfit. They dance up to Cinderella and the Prince. And Cinderella says, see, dreams do come true. And we are blessedly done. The prince is just there to dance with Cinderella and he says nothing. nothing. What happens is Anastasia says, thank you. I never dreamed I'd be this happy. Okay. And then Cinderella says, you see dreams do come true. But the prince is just there and he might as well be that weird prince mannequin. Again, he fails the sexy lamp test. 
it's deeply unfortunate. So that segment is over. And now all we have left is our framing device. Yes. So we go back to our framing device in which the mice are completing the book. And there's a picture of pom-pom and they put a ribbon on it. And they're like, yay, it's done. Let's go show Cinderella. And they sing the magic song and they're carrying the book through the castle. And we get- 70 miles an hour they are carrying this book through the castle at the speed of a motorcycle they're also like not being subtle anymore they're just going down the main hallway like they don't care at all main hallway they go behind the handmaid handmaiden they make a cream pie land on the cat the king jumps up into the grand duke's lap they run past the prince who's like writing something pretending that he has a job he doesn't have a job no and then they slide down the banister and are about to smash into the back of Cinderella's head when the fairy godmother gives them breaks. And she goes, what's this? And the mice say, it's a book. Thank you. We made it. Thank you for that. And she goes, what's it about? And they go, oh, it's about all of us. And she goes, I don't suppose you'd like to read it, would you? And then we cut to them all in the first room again. Cinderella and the fairy godmother are now both in chairs and Cinderella's opening the book and she goes would you look at that we're all in here and she starts to read it and the first time I watched this I went oh no if this is a plot device if this is a framing device for this movie again I've gone to hell I died this is my hell it's just framing devices for mouse antics and animal romances forever I'm I hate everything you could you could theoretically sync this up so that it starts all over again you literally could they end on the beginning of the framing device but the thing that bothered me is that right when she says look we're all in here they didn't bother to draw anything on the pages of the book because it's kind of far away so it's clearly blank like the book is completely blank and it's the laziest animation shortcut because she doesn't flip pages or anything. She just sits with it open on her lap. So they could have done some squiggles there and just reused it for each frame. Like it wouldn't have been that hard. I'm so mad. It's so lazy. And then we cut to black and somebody whispers, it's magic. And then we get this robotic version of Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. It's a remix. It's an electronic remix of Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo that for some reason includes the line mirror, mirror on the wall. And it's done by the same singer that's done all of the singing so far. It's just so much. It's so much. And I, what a perfect ending to this. I was furious. Yeah. So I turned it off before the credits and was like, cool, credits, done. Fade to black, I'm finished. And I'm then I saw the watcher. chat was continuing and Talon was like, what is this monstrosity? And so I turned it back on and I could hear the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo remix song which I had either missed or completely erased from my memory since the last time I watched this. This is what I'm here for, to shed light on all the dark parts that you chose not to remember. (laughs) So Liv, what are your highs and lows? I mean, the high part, again, is the part where we stopped watching it. I don't have a high for this episode. I have a high for next episode, and it's watching you try to figure out the timeline. Okay, that doesn't because you're gonna be at all you're gonna be so mad about it i'm already so mad about it you're gonna be so much more mad about it ah uh, i'm ready i have yeah. a wellspring of anger just ready to go so listeners before we started uh talon texted me and said hey how bad is this gonna be should i get wine and the answer was yeah absolutely obviously 
for next week you're gonna need vodka again would like to apologize in advance because the songs are somehow worse okay but the prince has lines which again makes it worse okay so what are your lows i don't know how to pick one i really really hated the songs y'all i'm a i'm a big fan of disney music i have two different disney playlists on my phone and disney songs make it into all of my other playlists which make my husband really mad when i put on like a classic rock playlist and then the next song up is prince ali and he's like this is not a classic rock song <laughs> so for me it's the songs because disney movies have different songs you're gonna do them in weird styles hercules decides to do gospel okay that's a weird choice but they really made it work and it was excellent you're gonna do tarzan with phil collins like that's fine this was so horrific disney sequels are pretty uniformly awful but the music usually at least tries i have never seen a disney sequel try less hard to be similar to the original property yes because usually the problem is that they over do it and they just remake the movie again but worse but worse it's yeah. like the same plot the same conflict the same everything yeah this was just a completely different thing and had no resemblance or relation to cinderella not in tone not in style not in content nothing my personal theory is that ever after came out in 1998 and the Disney franchise went, oh, maybe we could tell a story about what happened after Cinderella. People seem to really like Cinderella when the characters had, you know, character. But we don't have anything other than mice. So let's just do mice some more and just set it in the future. So what, what are your highs and lows? Okay, so my high is how abrasive Anastasia is. I know I said that it doesn't make any sense and that it shouldn't happen, but it did. And since it did, my favorite parts were the ones where she's like, I make babies cry and just like, doesn't know how to be nice to someone. I thought that was like weirdly charming. I don't know. Uh, my low is that there was a cat romance. Like the mouse romance was bad enough, but my God, did we need did we need a cat romance? We did not. So Liv, uh, what would you change about this movie? You mean other than the animation, storyline, casting, music, everything? Other than everything, okay, serious. What would I would change about this movie? I would get rid of the three short, the three shorts mm -hmm. and just swoosh them into one because I would also get rid of the entire middle one about Jack. Just, that's, that was the weakest of the three. I'm gonna ask you which was your like favorite and least favorite of the three stories, because I feel like oh, that's gonna matter. Or like where, how you would rank them. But I would get rid of the middle one and just smoosh the other two together because there's absolutely no reason that Cinderella could not be struggling with learning how to be a princess. Maybe she has a whole week to prepare for this ball and she's struggling. And part of what she does to sort of get a breath of fresh air before she you know what when she's trying to escape from palace uh tension and trying to be someone she's not is sneak into the village and while she's there 
she runs and she just, there's no reason that we couldn't have this told in real time instead of a flashback and there's no reason that those two stories couldn't have just gotten smushed together and you could have even included jack getting turned into a person and just not have the plot be elephant based like you could you could have put most of those stories together listeners you can't hear this but i'm making big squishy motions with my hands you could you could squish all three of those together mostly minus the elephant into one continuous storyline that all happened at the same point and then instead of having three separate parties you could just have one party and you'd be like yeah no this is the grand ball sure i think that would be a worse movie i'm gonna make it i'm gonna make it on my phone in my backyard and it's gonna be better than this monstrosity i just like as bad as this is at least the segments were short when they were over they were over what 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 about you thought what would you change about this movie I mean, I don't think it should have been made. Like, you shouldn't make a sequel 50 years after the fact. Nope. That takes place literally, like, right after their honeymoon. Are you kidding me? Okay, you know what I want? I want their honeymoon. I want Cinderella and the Prince travel the world. That would be fun. Like, like around the world in 80 days, but with Cinderella and the Prince. And they do, they get, like, hijinks. And they meet like other royalty from different nations or whatever, or they like hang out down, with people. Awesome. And I don't know. I wanted the prince to have a personality and have more lines. I think that movie would also be bad, by the way, but I think it would be better than this. So the third movie, the prince has a lot more lines. He has much more of a character. He has much more of a presence. Let me rephrase that. Uh-huh. Um, the third movie goes around and is so bad that it goes back around to being enjoyable again okay it's still horrific and you're gonna hate it yeah i know but it's it's better than this one in my opinion so how would you rank the three stories in order from best to worst oh my god uh okay here's the difficulty i'm having in terms of concept versus execution i hated the middle one where jacques turns into a human like i had a bad time but i will be angry about the first one for much longer because now i don't even care about the jacques jacques turns into a human one like it happened it's over whatever but the cinderella having to like find her voice and change everything in the castle like i'm so mad about that and what that did to her character, that I think it's the worst one. And then the Anastasia Finds Love was fairly cute and it should have been like a 10 minute short at the end of a different Disney movie. And I would have been fine with it existing. That would have been fine. How about you? I think the Jack one is the worst for me because it doesn't even tell a story. You don't have to explain it. I understand. Okay. I understand all the bad things about okay. it. Okay. So the, I hated the Jack one the most. I I also hated the cat romance. So the fact that the Anastasia one had the cat romance in it makes it really hard to put it first for me. Also, the cat romance was bad. Also, it's, it has too much uh, discontinuity. Like, we've never seen Anastasia have... A relatable moment so trying to suddenly cast her as this relatable character oh i'm pretending this isn't a cinderella cartoon no that's fine i'm not 
So for me, I think I have to say that the Cinderella sucks at being a proper princess part. I think that one's my favorite because it is the one that at least chronologically follows and could have theoretically happened. Yikes. Okay. So yeah. what's the worst? Oh, the worst is the, the Jack one. Oh, yes. You said that. I'm yeah, sorry. Jack, Jack is the worst. I think Anastasia is the second. It would be fine if it existed in its own universe, but it doesn't. It exists in an existing universe. And it's just, if you had a thing where like she got hit on the head with a rock and you're like, oh, and now she has a brain trauma and she's a different person now. We knocked that brain tumor out of her head or something. You're like, oh, okay, sure. That'd be fine. But we don't get that scene. <laughs> what would I change about this movie? That beginning scene when Jack goes, who would want to read this book by mice? And listeners don't watch this. I think you should. Really? You think they should watch this? I think they should. I don't get me wrong. It's god awful, but I'm having a really good time. Watch it with another person. <laughs> watch it with a friend that you have a love hate thing with. Watch it with a friend of me. Find your best friend of me <laughs> and watch this together with them and then mock each other for the way that you rank best to worst the segments okay so I don't even know how we'd grade this movie but do you have a final grade for this movie yeah it's a d plus a d plus okay okay it's it's a bad movie on its own it's a bad Cinderella movie um the plus is there because I had a good time despite everything in it (laughs) okay how about you? I, I'm going to give this one a, a D. Torn between a D and a D minus because I hated this one. It wasn't zany enough and dumb enough for me to actually have a good time watching it. It was just aggressively bad on all counts and everything that could have been an interesting potential story or an interesting short just got tied up in more incredibly stupid mouse antics and there was so much mouse nonsense i know listening to you complain on the first one about there's too much mice I'm like oh man oh you're in for a bad time my guy <laughs> you're gonna have a bad time next week man mm, okay all right so i think i'm giving this one a d because i just did not like it at all d for did not like it yeah did not approve Well, it's almost midnight, so thanks for joining us. If you liked this episode, please leave us a rating or a review. We'd love to hear from you, so follow us at CinderPod on Twitter or Instagram, uh, like our Facebook page, or email us at thecinderellapodcast at gmail.com. If you want bibbidi-bobbidi bonus episodes or to hear us discuss this week's Cinderella again, but with more alcohol. Uh, in the Ever After Party, please support us at patreon.com slash cinderpod. Our intro music is Bad Ideas by Kevin McLeod, and you can find him at incompetech.com. Until next week, we hope you have a happily ever after.
what would I change about this movie? That beginning scene when Jack goes, who would want to read this book by mice? End. <laughs>